DCI's Field Pass is presented by Zildjian. Visit them at the DCI Festival Marketplace this week. Tell them thanks for sponsoring the Field Pass and visit them anytime online at Zildjian.com. This is your Field Pass with DCI's Dan Potter. This is your Field Pass for Friday, August 12th, 2016. Yes, it does sound different, doesn't it? We are in the middle of the, what is this, the Fat Rooster Restaurant at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Indianapolis. Uh, this is going to be another kind of uh, uh, field pass in the raw. And sitting across the table from me is composer John Mackey. John, welcome to the field pass. Thanks for having me. This is very fun. I um, wanted you here not just because you're one of the most prolific wind band and, and drum corps composers out there, but because last fall I had the pleasure of talking to you during VOA Grand Nationals. There are hundreds of bands that have played John Mackey's works, but it was your first VOA Grand Nationals, and as I understand it, this will be your first Drum Corps International World Championship Finals. It is, yeah. Um, and uh, I've, I've attended, I came, went to one, I guess a semifinal when it was at the Rose Bowl. I'm sure everybody who listens to this podcast knows when that would have been at the Rose Bowl. 2007. <laughs> there you go. So in 2007, I lived in Los Angeles, and uh, I don't even think I had any rep in anyone's shows, but things had been done, uh, I think, two years prior to that. So and since I was in town, um, DCI was nice enough to give me and my wife uh, passes to watch the semifinals, but I've never been to a finals, and uh, so this year I'm here for you know today for the semifinals, for tomorrow for the finals, uh, and that's all thanks to the generosity of the cadets for using my music and uh, really wanting to have me around. This will be, I think, the... Uh, today is maybe the third time I will have seen the show, so... Um, so yeah, it's been fun to see it change over the course of the summer. You know, I understand it's a completely different show again than it was that I saw, you know, uh, in San Antonio a couple weeks ago, which yeah, visually, was visually absolutely yeah. and uh, and different than what I saw in Boston a couple weeks before that. So this will be uh, it's fun to see. I don't know how they do that, change it so frequently and dramatically, but uh, I'm excited to see how. How close a collaboration was it between you and the cadets, or was this mainly Jay Bocook taking your work and rearranging it? Uh, yeah, I had nothing to do with any of it. Um, I didn't even propose my music to them. Um, uh, Hopkins saw a show that the Alvin Ailey Dance Company did last December, which used the same two pieces, uh, Turning and The Last Moment of Wine Dark Sea. Um, and they used that in a ballet. He saw it and thought they worked really well together. Even though those pieces were never written to be together. You know, Turning I wrote 10 years ago, basically. And Wine Dark Sea is about two years old now. Um, and Wine Dark Sea gets a lot of concert performances. Nobody plays Turning. So it's been fun to see, you know, get the piece, you know, much bigger exposure than it ever had as a concert piece with the cadets. But once they licensed it, I had no... You know, I, I offered no input. I was asked for no input. Uh, it's really just up to that team to de determine how to put the pieces together and, you know, they can change whatever they want and they're obviously allowed to do any of that. So I just show up and I'm just a fan at that point. I'm no longer, it's no longer like I'm the composer, sort of, when I show up because I have no idea what it's going to sound like tonight. You know, I, I really, I even if I was like, oh, I wish they had, it doesn't matter. It's really not up to me anymore. So. Yeah. I mean, is there some apprehension when you go into any situation like that when somebody's been playing with your baby? Uh, I mean, honestly, yes. And that's why, that's a big reason why I almost never see the marching arrangements of my music, whether it's for high schools or drum corps, um, because it's, you know, if I'm in a rehearsal with a wind ensemble on the original version of a piece, I'm 
very type A protective specific about every single note. So if there's an articulation that is not the way I've marked it, that to me is a really big deal. And I feel like I die a tiny bit inside if the accent is played as a staccato accent. I'm like, oh my God, you're ruining my baby. So like, and I try not to, you know, tell them that in rehearsal. I'll try to find a nice way to say that. But so, you know, everything is super, super, super specific. So any change is a different thing. This is, you know, once it's marched, it's so different than what I had, you know, originally written that it's almost different enough that I can just, you know, step back and really, like I, I said, it's, it's, it's really, yeah, it's yeah. like it's not my music anymore, sort of. It's something, oh, I kind of recognize that tune is about the extent of... Well, is that the case with the cadets, or is it more that, oh, I really like what they did here, and I you know, I want to keep coming back and hearing it again? Well, I mean, I will say with the cadets, uh, what they did with turning, I think in particular, at least the last time I saw it, I actually preferred to what I had written. So that's I've not had that happen before. Okay, so this is just just a few of the dozens of cores that have played John Mackey's music over the years. Cadets, of course, this year we've talked about. San Jose Raiders in 2014, along with Blue Devils B. 2013, the Cavaliers played your music. Pacific Crest did as well. Spirit of Atlanta before that. Seattle Cascades. And it just goes back every year. There's like two or three entries. What is it about your music you think that translates to uh, motion so well? I mean, you have you wrote a lot for dance companies. Yeah, I mean, I think that's um, that's something that I always loved doing before I was writing music for a living. <laughs> so when I was you know, out of grad school uh, through my twenties into you know, basically when I turned about thirty, I only wrote for dance companies in New York, um, and so that was how I ended up getting to be friends with the guy who is artistic director of the Alvin Ailey Dance Company, and which was how you know the cadets ended up seeing you know, hearing those two pieces. I love writing rhythmic things. Um, and I love visceral things, you know, things that have a lot of, you know, dramatic, you know, range of dynamics. And, um, and I think that kind of stuff just, maybe it's because I, my ear is not great for pitch, but I, um, so like if I'm in the shower and I come up with music, I may not be able to exactly know, I won't know what pitches I'm hearing, but I know exactly what rhythmic stuff I'm hearing. Um, so I'm able to retain that and write it down accurately. Whereas, like, if I hear a chord in my head while I'm out running, I don't know what that chord is necessarily. I get home, I go to the keyboard, I try to find the chord. I never quite find it, and it gets basically watered down from what I had in my head. But the only thing that stays exactly true to what I had in my head the whole time is rhythmic material. Because um, I can basically do rhythmic dictation from my head completely accurately, but I can't do that with pitches and chords. Um, so, and I just, I like... It's also just really fun to see my music visualized by, you know, whether it's a dance company or a drum corps or a marching band. Um, I think it adds an element that maybe, you know, it's especially fun with dance companies where the music stays exactly the same as it has originally been written in that uh, choreographers will pick something that may have just been like a counter melody or something or a rhythmic thing that was just kind of hidden underneath that was not in the foreground orally and then by choreographing to that thing, you the audience hears it more than you would if it was just a concert performance. So if I have a cross rhythm in you know some percussion instrument and that's what the visualization goes with, then the audience is very tuned into that cross rhythm in a way that it might just be a background otherwise. So I think that's really really fun. Um, but it's you know I, it's not like I uh, write for you know dance and movement things because I can dance because I can't <laughs> dance. So. We're reading through your bio, and you—you really—you didn't play an instrument. You had 
musician parents. You had a musician grandfather who taught you how to read music, but you didn't. You didn't play piano. You didn't. You weren't a drummer. You didn't. That's right. Right. Yeah. So I never studied an instrument uh, formally. I did once I got to college as a composition major. I did have to take you know, piano proficiency, just like anybody has to take piano class. Um, but that was basically the extent of my you know performance or not performance, just you know anything on an instrument. And I wasn't a music ed major, so I never had to learn to like make a sound on an oboe or anything like that. So none of those instruments, I've never been held, you know, a double reed instrument. Um, and I can air drum, but I've never, you know, really tried to play percussion. So, uh, and my time is decent, like, according to like, the, you know, I used to play that game like, you know, Rock Band on like the PlayStation. <laughs> but like, that's kind of the extent of my like playing. Um, and uh, and there are you know there are reasons for that that. It wasn't me, you know, part of it was that I had an older sister who uh, my parents tried to get to take uh, and study instruments, and she sort of rebelled, and her form of rebellion was to just kind of decide she didn't like music. So then they decided they wouldn't make that same, you know, quote-unquote mistake with me, and so I wasn't encouraged to play an instrument. Um, But then uh, when I was four, my parents got divorced, and I lived with just my mother, and I think possibly things might have been different if that hadn't happened in that I was just with my mom, who's a single mom in the early 80s and very poor, um, to the point that there was no money for musical instruction on any instrument. Um, so, uh, but what there was as a benefit of being completely uh, poor was that she still played in community orchestras and sang in church choirs and couldn't afford babysitters. So I went to every orchestra rehearsal where she played in the community orchestras, you know, in the you know, middle of like Ohio. Um, and I would sit in the back of the high school auditorium and hear all of these orchestra rehearsals. And then on Thursday night, she'd go to choir rehearsal and couldn't afford a babysitter. So I would go and sit in the choir room and hear, you know, all the, all the choir music. So I was always around it. And then, yeah, when I was about 10, my grandfather showed me how to, you know, how rhythm works with this music program he had that was just a, you know, graphical, you know, it was a piano staff and rhythmic values at the bottom and you just drag rhythmic values to the piano staff and then you'd hit fire on the, you know, the, on the little keyboard button and it would play it for you. And I thought that was the coolest thing. You know, it, A, and I, what do I know? I'm just, I just kind of watch this stuff, but I think that that, is going to be more common in the future that we will have more composers of note who haven't played an instrument in their lifetime? Do you think that's the case? Oh, for sure. I think if I were even, you know, three or four years older than I am, I don't know if I would be a composer because the software would not have allowed me to do that. But now it's very easy. If I'm, I'm just wondering, I mean, you've, you've heard your works, you know, arranged by others, put on the field by others. If a, if a core were to approach you, um, and want to commission a, a field show from you? Is that a project you'd be interested in? Uh, if you had asked me that uh, six months ago, I would have said no. Um, and I've had cores ask me before, uh, and I've just said no. First of all, because I don't know how to do that, I don't think. Um, I wouldn't know how to score it, because that's just not an ensemble that I know how to make sound good. I could probably make it sound good if they were stationary, but there's so much about it being spread around and how that, you know, just the space of the different players changes the dynamic range and things. And um, I, so I would first say that I wouldn't know how to do it, but then uh, there's a show that I saw this summer a couple times that I think the team on with that core is just really just firing on all cylinders and doing an amazing 
uh, thing right now. It's it's the Bluecoats, and they're doing things that I've just not thought of in uh, in drum corps music. And a couple years ago, they did a show uh, Tilt that I loved so much, and I there's an electronics effect in it. It was the first time I'd heard electronics in drum corps. You're talking about the pitch bend? Yeah, the pitch bend. Yeah. It was the first time I'd heard electronics in drum corps and thought it wasn't a gimmick. It was part of the music of the show. Um, that if you didn't have that in there, it would be a different show. And I loved it so much that I then wrote a piece that's... I got the idea for the piece from having seen that show. It's a fanfare called Fanfare for Full Fathom 5, which is just all about trombone glisses and using six trombones to modulate from key to key, sliding, you know, like slowly in different to different modulations. And I got the idea, so it doesn't sound like Tilt, but I got the idea having seen Tilt. Um, and then this year seeing their show, it just feels, it made me uh, nostalgic for when I used to write for dance companies, where there really is a collaborative thing happening where, you know, if I you know, write something, like I mentioned earlier, write something into, you know, a secondary line. If I ask the choreographer, please do something with that secondary line, they can do that and make that pop out more. Um, or if the choreographer says, you know, I really was hoping we'd have a bigger percussion build or something here, I can do that, you know, for the choreographer. Um, so when I saw their show a couple times now, uh, it made me feel like there might be some way that I could do something with a core. Uh, not least of which because I feel like that the whole team that is making their show right now is just really cool and really smart and different than what I'm used to seeing and I kind of want to be hang out with them so like so, so, so we just heard John Mackey say blue coats call me so yeah I mean I I think it's really really special what they're doing and I don't know that I would be capable of writing a whole show um, but I think also, there was a thing on Facebook about a week ago, uh, people complaining about how the shows are so dissonant right now and so loud. Like, just in general, not any specific, you know, core. But the overall, the general complaint is this is a problem, that the shows have become so, you know, non-melodic and so loud and crunk. And, yeah, and, you know, my comment to you know, just someone who was on Facebook saying this, was just that I think that's true, but I don't think they need to be less of that. It just, there's too much of a constant of these things. So also, if you have a show that has 12 pieces in it, it's, you know, you can't hear the tune enough times to become familiar with something. So it can be, there can be a little bit of a melody from some tune, from some piece, but you hear it one time because you're seeing so many pieces of music in the space of one drum corps show. And I think that's problematic. And I think one way to avoid that would be to have a single composer, whether it's me or someone else, really write something that is intended to be like thematically structured with more economy of materials. There's just too much material. Like if I were to you know, give somebody a lesson in composition, like something you see with a lot of young composers is they have so many ideas and they're all in that piece. And that's not how you make a good piece of music. It just sounds like a medley. Everything's a medley. And a medley is not a good concert piece, I don't think. So I think there needs to be a way to reduce the number of pieces happening in a show whether that's a single composer doing it or just as an idea to do it. It's like, you know, just because there are six really cool pieces this year, you don't have to put all of them in the same drum corps show. I think that kind of weakens all of them and makes it harder to grasp onto melodic material if it is there 
And uh, well, not just one. That's my little soapbox about just like the direction of. I think you'll find a lot of agreement on that. Um, you've been so gracious. Thank you for spending a little time with us. Appreciate it. I really appreciate you asking. Thank you. And thanks for lunch. You're welcome. And enjoy tonight and Saturday night. I'm very excited. This is going to be great. DCI's Field Pass is presented by Zildjian. Visit them at zildjian.com.